Hi, my name is Katie, registered dietitian nutritionist obsessed with all things food, family, and wellness. There is seemingly ever-changing nutrition information, from fad diets to quick fixes. I'm here to sort all of that out with you. Each week, we will be diving into popular topics like fertility, weight loss, even food freedom. You can find it all here. I have made it my work's mission to educate and empower others towards food freedom, and I'm grateful to get to be doing that with you here each week. This is Simply Functional Nutrition with Katie. Welcome to this week's Simply Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Spencer, and today we are going to be talking all things blood sugar balance. So let's dive in. Balancing blood sugar is something that has become very much talked about and pretty popular as of late. And I think for good reason. We know that elevated blood sugar over time has been linked to inflammatory disease conditions like heart disease, elevated blood pressure, diabetes, obesity, just to name a few off the cuff. It's pretty important, right? Well, no one wants inflammation and no one wants long-term chronic illness. Yet a vast majority of Americans suffer with long-term illness. Fortunately for us, we know that if we can control or balance our blood sugar, that can have a positive impact on the trajectory of our health for years to come. But before I dive into how do we balance our blood sugar, I do think it's worth mentioning what do I even mean by elevated blood sugar, right? Like balancing is trying to get our blood sugar into a happy state, but what does it look like when our blood sugar is in an unhappy state or in other words, elevated? So really to just simplify it, elevated blood sugar means there's an excess of sugar floating around in our bloodstream. You may or may not have heard of the hormone insulin, but just to give you a brief overview, when we eat, our body begins a process of digestion. And a part of that process is our pancreas gets signaled to pump out insulin. Now what insulin does is it is a hormone that tells our cell, hey, there's sugar floating around in our blood. We should probably take up some of that sugar into the cell so that we can use it for energy. So in a perfect world, we eat a meal, we produce insulin, the insulin helps our cells take up that sugar, and our blood sugar comes back down after a meal to a nice, reasonable, happy amount. Unfortunately, with the Western American diet being so popular nowadays, an elevated blood sugar is something that many people are living with constantly. And so this idea of balancing blood sugar is more important than ever, considering the Western diet is so popular. When I mention the Western diet, I'm really referring to a diet that's high in red and processed meats, carbohydrates, refined sugars, excess sweetened beverages, high fructose corn syrup, really all of those junky foods that we either grew up on or probably are told we shouldn't be eating a lot of. That really is what I mean and what is considered a Western diet. Now, when I work with my clients, I make it abundantly clear and I hope as I speak with you guys and talk each week with you all, I'm making it abundantly clear that I do not demonize any one given food. I don't consider any foods bad, but I absolutely think it's important to consider what you're consuming and what quantities of types of food you're considering and making sure first, are we getting a variety of foods and are we really eating food first? And by that, I mean less prepackaged, less processed and more whole foods. 
wherever you may land on the blood sugar train, being conscious about balancing your blood sugar or you're totally new to this idea, I think we could all benefit from being mindful about blood sugar balance. It's something that we will all live with, right? If you become conscious about it and it becomes a priority to you, it's going to be something that you'll carry with you forever. So let's dive in. I'm going to tell you a little bit about what it means to balance your blood sugar, why it's important, and then most importantly, how in the world do we balance our blood sugar? So first off, what does balancing blood sugar mean? Well, really, it just means keeping a fairly steady blood sugar before, during, and after meals. So you can expect, of course, when we eat a meal, we're going to expect a rise in our blood sugar because our body is digesting that food, it's absorbing the carbohydrates from the meal, and those carbohydrates are naturally going to raise the amount of sugar that's floating around in our bloodstream. Totally normal and necessary for life, right? Like our body needs carbohydrates to survive. So the idea of balancing blood sugar, I want you to picture a roller coaster. I call this the roller coaster effect. When we get on a roller coaster, think about it. You go up, 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 and a sharp, quick drop down. And you might go upside down and sideways and twists and turns, right? It's crazy. It's unpredictable. It's wild. When we're not balancing our blood sugar or eating in a way that promotes balance, you're really riding that roller coaster effect all day long. Equate balancing blood sugar is instead of a crazy roller coaster of ups and downs and sharp, sharp declines and sharp inclines, reframe it and think about rolling hills. Easy, nice, like we're cruising in our convertible up those hills and down those rolling hills, enjoying the view, the breeze in our hair, feeling good. That is balanced blood sugar. So overall, when we're balancing our blood sugar, not only are we feeling better, but the overall goal is to promote satiety, promote energy, reduce inflammation, and ultimately really reducing the risk of chronic disease. So like I said, we do expect changes in our blood sugar as we eat during, after, and in between meals, right? We, we expect that change and there to be a dynamic up and down because we're dynamic beings, but we want to eat in a way that promotes it nice and easy, nothing super sharp, no blood sugar staying super high for really long, Consider your blood sugar levels elevated or high if they're 130 milligrams per deciliter before a meal or 180 within one to two hours after a meal. So we want our body, even after that rise in blood sugar after a meal, we want it to be able to come down fairly quickly. When we are constantly in a state of elevated blood sugar, that is stressful to the body. And you guys don't need me or don't need to listen to a podcast to tell you it is a stressful world that we live in. There's so much going on externally that is causing so much stress on a day-to-day basis. So let's not add another layer of stress by eating in a way and living in a way that promotes elevated blood sugar all the time. We want to feel good. We want to have longevity of life and we want to have longevity of quality of life and balancing your blood sugar is a part of that. So now that we know kind of what do I mean by balancing blood sugar and why it's important, here are my five tips of how to balance your blood sugar. And this is something I talk about with my clients and I'm so passionate about helping people work towards balancing that blood sugar because I really do think it improves not just the reduced risk of the long-term effects, but I'm constantly talking to clients that have lost weight or have found energy or are sleeping better all because of these little changes that we're about to talk about. Tip number one, 
No naked carbs. Okay. No carbohydrates by themselves. So first, before you can say, okay, no carbohydrates by themselves, what do I mean by carb? What is, what is a source of a carbohydrate? Think about things that are white. Breads, grains, pastas, rice, baked goods. And then, of course, you get into your things like sweets, desserts, beverages, so sweetened drinks. And then also your starchy vegetables. So white potato, sweet potato, corn, beans, those heavier, thicker, starchier vegetables. And just to note, I am not demonizing or saying any of these things are bad, but I do think it's important to be educated on what you're consuming so that you, as a consumer, literally, can make the best choice possible for your, for your health. So the easiest way to avoid eating naked carbs is to pair it with protein and fat. So protein being things like animal source products, your meats, your cheeses, some nuts and seeds. And then of course, fats are animal byproducts, right? Like butter or lard, but also once again, nuts, seeds have fat as well. And your oils, coconut oil, any sort of cooking oil. To pair our carbohydrates with a protein and a fat might look something like this. You know, you're headed to work or maybe you're at home and you're snacking and you grab that bag of pretzels. Well, that's a naked carbohydrate. Just like I said a second ago, our carbohydrates are breads, rice, pastas, processed foods. I would consider pretzels like a bread. So how do we pair it with a protein and fat? Well, if we think back, okay, protein are animal sources. A great protein option might be jerky, or maybe it would be a boiled egg. Something to slow the digestion and absorption because our body breaks down and absorbs carbohydrates in no time. We start digestion and absorption of carbohydrates as soon as we start chewing. Our saliva has enzymes that breaks down carbohydrates to help us absorb them. That's how fast it hits the bloodstream. So when we pair it with a protein and a fat, that overall slows the digestion and absorption and gives you that rolling hill effect on your blood sugar. So back to the pretzel example, Instead of just doing pretzels, we've added jerky, which is a great source of a protein. A great source of fat would be a handful of nuts. Okay, so we're feeling good about no naked carbs. Rule number two, ditch the sweet drinks. And I know all about the sweet drinks and our love and our affinity for them. I am from Southern Alabama, right on the coast. We love our sweet tea. We love our sweet drinks, but they are doing your health no favors. When we try to remove something, we don't want to think just taking something out of our diet. If you are do if you are in the habit of doing something, like for example, drinking a Coke every day or ordering a sweet tea with lunch, if that is a daily habit for you, it's going to be pretty miserable or probably pretty difficult just to cut it out cold turkey. So instead of just removing, we want to instead replace. We all know how popular carbonated beverages are, particularly, excuse me, carbonated water. So experiment with some new brands. See if you like that. I personally love adding slices of fruit and fresh mint to my water bottle. So jazz it up, but find a way to replace your sweet drinks with an alternative that doesn't have added sugar. Okay, number three move your body. And I'm not talking something super intense. If you're in the habit of 
an in high intensity workout, awesome, keep it up. But even if you're not, you can still get up and move your body and it's going to impact your blood sugar. Maybe you're at home with the kids. After breakfast, load them up in the stroller and go for a walk. Find a way to get your body moving. If you can't get out of the house even, just stand up and do some squats. Get that heart rate up, get moving. That will help increase your insulin sensitivity. Number four, and this is a really big one, manage your stress. Like I said before, I know that we are living in a stressful world. When we constantly are living in a state of stress, we tend to have higher cortisol levels. Cortisol is actually considered, nicknamed, the stress hormone. When our cortisol is elevated, our cells are not as efficient at using the sugar floating around in our bloodstream. So over time, it causes a rise in our blood sugar. And over time, an elevated blood sugar has a negative impact on our health. It causes a state of inflammation. All of that triggered by stress. So backing up, going back to managing your stress and reducing those cortisol levels, you've got to find what works for you. There's not one perfect ticket, do it this way. But think for you, it could be meditating. For someone else, it could be prayer. Find that thing for you or find those little things that you can start implementing that help reduce your stress. Like circled within all of this stress management is screen time. I really can can speak for myself at least and say I love the time in the evenings when the kids are in bed and we can, can sit down and watch our show and just veg, right? Like who doesn't want to just turn it off and relax? But that screen time is not giving our brains and our bodies the opportunity to unwind before bed. Therefore, it's prohibiting a deeper sleep or inhibiting a deeper sleep. So I'm not telling you to give up your screen time, but I am suggesting that you stop the screen time 30 minutes to an hour prior to bed. Give your body that opportunity to wind down to prepare for a deep sleep. Your body will naturally produce melatonin, which is a sleep hormone, when you allow it to get ready for bed by reducing the screen time. Another thing I love to do is turn off the overhead lights and turn on the lamps. So if you think about it as the sun's going down, you should kind of mimic that to the best of your abilities within your own home to give your body and your brain the signal that we're getting ready for sleep. And that's all a part of stress management. The last tip, number five, choose high fiber. So I love this tip because actually the vast majority of Americans are under consuming fiber on a daily basis. Most people aren't getting enough. And where do we find fiber? Fruits and vegetables. So what does that tell us? Probably most Americans are not eating the recommended amount of fruits and vegetables on a daily basis. So just a simple way to implement this, make sure you're getting a serving of fruit and vegetable at each meal. Now think about the higher fiber foods are going to be those foods that have more seeds in them. So I'm comparing something like maybe a cantaloupe to a blackberry. Both are great options, but if you think about blackberries, they've got a bunch of tiny little seeds, so they are naturally higher in fiber. Now why does fiber help us balance our blood sugar? Well, fiber cannot get digested by our body. So it slows the absorption of the other nutrients that we are eating with the fiber. 
So let's say you're eating that blackberry. A blackberry is high in fiber because of the seeds, but it is also a source of a carbohydrate. But when we eat that blackberry, it's going to have a slower impact on our blood sugar as opposed to a piece of white bread because that blackberry is so high in fiber. So increasing your fiber intake not only helps to balance your blood sugar, but it's also got a couple of other benefits, which I think are worth noting. One, it can help regulate your digestive tract, which is awesome. It can help you get regular. And when we're excreting, we have excess hormones and excess buildup and toxins that bind in our digestive tract and get excreted. So if you are regulated, you are regularly excreting toxins. If you're unregular, then your body is actually having toxic buildup. So it's super important to be regular when it comes to digestion. And second, high fiber is linked to lowering your body's cholesterol. So cholesterol binds to fiber and gets excreted through your digestive tract as opposed to getting absorbed. So excess or higher fiber, I should say, can help lower someone's total cholesterol. So fiber has a number of benefits. And the last benefit that I think is worth noting, like I mentioned, high fiber foods are naturally gonna be your fruits and vegetables. Not only are you consuming fiber when you're eating lots of fruits and vegetables, but fruits and vegetables contain phytonutrients, phytochemicals, vitamins, and minerals, all of which help build your body's immunity, but also helps to fight free radicals, which are things that we become exposed to on a daily basis that are potentially carcinogenic. So it really, I mean, you're even fighting potential cancers when you're increasing your intake of natural foods like fruits and vegetables. So there's so much good reason to increase your fiber intake. All right, we chatted about it. We covered my five tips on how to regulate your blood sugar. Hopefully you're feeling a little bit more confident to jump into making better food decisions that help promote that satiety, that fullness, but also blood sugar balance. It's been fun chatting with you all about something I'm so passionate about, blood sugar balance, because I really do believe that it's it's at the heart. It is at the source. Anyone can do it. It's been fun, guys, and I can't wait to see you back here next week. Thank you for listening to Simply Functional Nutrition with Katie. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you subscribe to podcasts. If you enjoyed the show, I would appreciate a five-star rating and share with your friends. Learn more at simplyspencer.com and be sure to follow me on Instagram at simplyspencer.com.